this world that's filled with so much noise and information, how do we really stand out and be who we were really meant to be? In this podcast, we focus on injecting you with positivity, optimism, and strategies all centered around helping you be who you were always meant to be in business and life. Be inspired to show up in your own skin to learn strategies, habits, and skills from others as we share our own life journeys and stories. There's no other you, and you know yourself better than anyone else. So be prepared to take away habitual tidbits, tactics that will encourage you to pursue and live your life, not the one others want you to live. Welcome to Stand Out Be You, where you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be you. Hello, welcome to Stand Out Be You. Tequila here, and I have a guest today that I am so excited for you to hear from. He has over 40 years in his life, he has the experience of finally reaching his passion. He's helping people find clarity in their lives, he's helping them rediscover what they really care about. He is a relationship development coach working with singles and couples and those divorced. He's also helping them find clarity in their life, in their relationships, in their personal growth and improvement. Everyone, I give you Rocky Lee. Rocky, welcome to the show. Fill in the gaps and tell us a little bit more about you. (laughs) Tequila, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, wow. Well, that was actually quite an awesome intro. I don't know how much more I could fill in with that one. That was pretty awesome. Oh, yes. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> well, yes. I, so I am a relationship coach and I do all of those things. And I guess to simply put it, I'm a person who's pretty passionate about hope and love. I just have this strong belief inside of me that we all need hope, but we need real hope, real practical hope, not the airy fairy hope. And at the same time, we need to all experience love. And I'm a huge believer. I am a complete hopeful romantic inside, not a hopeless, but a hopeful romantic (laughs) that everyone gets to experience love. And we actually get to experience love the way that we really want to experience it. The only difference is that many of us, we don't know what the difference is between what we really want versus what we actually imagine it. And so my job is actually just bring clarity between those two distinctions. And when you say the clarity, I'm going to dive deeper in here because everyone is always curious about this. Even when we say we don't want the love, we still want the love. You know, we can't (laughs) get away from it. When you say clarity, what can you dig a little deeper in there? What does that mean? That's a really great question. What's really funny is that we're all wired to love. Mm -hmm. There's no way that we can run from that. So deep inside, we crave that. We long it. It's uh, one of our core needs. There's actually six core needs for humans. Mm -hmm. And one of them is love and connection. And we have to have that. In whatever shape or form that that actually shows up as, we just need that. So whether it's in a friendship, whether it's through family, whether it's uh, through relationship in dating, or whether it's through marriage, whatever that process of love and connection is, we all need that. So to find clarity through that, oftentimes what it is is that how I explain it to my clients is that we kind of been tricked very subtly by media that mm-hmm. love looks a certain way. Now, when we talk about love, we actually were talking about a feeling. So if I ask you to describe what you think love is, you'll use a lot of words to describe what it looks like, 
But really underneath, what you're trying to describe to me is the warm, fuzzy feeling. And we kind of garner that interpretation of it through media. And we all love a happy ending, right? So what do we get when we see movies? We get the happy ending. What we don't get in movies and TV shows is what happens after the happy ending. That's the real stuff, right? So anything before that is kind of the fairy tale. And so what happens is our judgment gets clouded when we approach love and dating and relationships because we think the whole journey in love is just that first part. And it's not. That's just the start of the journey. So when we actually dive into relationship and things actually don't turn out the way that we imagine it to be, we're suddenly kind of like, oh my gosh, what happened? I got the wrong movie. (laughs) I got to return it or something like that. That's kind of how we feel like. And so we suddenly feel really confused. We feel really hurt that life didn't turn out the way that it should have. We feel alone because we feel like we didn't really get supported. And at the same time, we feel like uh, just a sense of disillusionment of like, what does this really mean now? Is this really even for me? So what I provide is just clarity in helping people understand the difference between their fairy tale and what they really want to experience in love. Yeah. How did you get started with all of this, Rocky? Oh, good question. So I started years ago in ministry and I was in pastoral ministry many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I guess during that time, I really experienced a lot of couples that I was trying to help out and single people walking out their dating relationship. And as I started to walk out some of the stuff with the couples, I realized that many of them didn't have to have their marriage fall apart. There's just some simple tools and skills that you just really needed to adopt. But a lot of it was understanding what part of their expectations in their love and marriage needed to just be let go of. And how could they just begin to realign themselves to a real genuine and authentic vision for what they wanted. Now, some of those couples though, I recognized very quickly that they were just couples that they just shouldn't have been married together in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so my journey through ministry all the way back was to begin to kind of surface up, like, how do I help people to even define that? What does that even look like? Well, fast forward that a couple of years, and I was dating a wonderful woman uh, through my church at that time. And uh, we, we both met in ministry. We're doing ministry together. And From a church perspective, she's everything that I really would have wanted from a ministry standpoint. She had everything. She had all the boxes. You know, she did worship. She's wonderful in prayer, was prophetic and sensitive and wanted to reach people. And I mean, it was just a wonderful match. And what was funny is that when, when I started to include the church body on this journey, all I would hear from the church body is, oh, that's okay, man. This is like really great. You guys are going to be like the next Brangelina. You guys are going to be like, yeah. The pressure. <laughs> yeah, the, the church Christian version of this, right? And, and I'm like, oh, okay, I must have picked the right one then. I mean, you know, what, what could go wrong from here? So that was on the outside of the whole process of the journey. On the inside, I began to really listen to my heart and I recognized that there were just some things that just, for whatever reason, felt like there were questions that just kept coming up. And I felt like I didn't have any real honest help to walk through it. So this whole journey took seven years. I was courting this goal for seven years. And it took me that long to finally realize that we just really weren't the right match for marriage. We were the right match for friendship. We were just wonderful friends. But 
when it came to marriage, were we really the right match? And in the end, I think we both recognized that we weren't. Yeah. And so thankfully, I, I had a really great counselor that I had hired at that time. There, there weren't any relationship coaches around at that time. So, <laughs> so the closest thing I could get was a, was a marriage counselor. Yeah. And, and it was someone that I had known. I went into the session feeling really bad already. Yeah. And how it started was I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to just vent to you what I think my red flags are. Yeah. And you just tell me how I just messed this whole relationship up. Just tell me that I was wrong, right? And so my counselor was really great, really patient and loving. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Just go ahead. Tell me what's going on. And, and just for the next 15 minutes, I rattled off point after point after point of concerns that I had. And just to clarify, they weren't concerns about her. Mm -hmm. It was about concerns about the relationship of what it would look like as a marriage moving yeah. forward. And so at the end of the 50 minutes of just me venting out all of these points, he just smiled at me like a loving father. And he just simply said, Rocky, those are valid points. Mm -hmm. You need to just pay attention to them. Yeah. And that kind of gave me the first inkling of like, okay, there is something here. Now, how do I begin to figure out what that really means? Mm -hmm. So that whole journey with my ex-girlfriend started a whole process of me trying to figure out for people, how do you decide? How do you distinguish the difference between somebody that you're attracted to versus somebody who would actually be the right fit for you? You mentioned that. Like we didn't always have relationship therapists or, or anything like that. So it's really yeah. good you brought that up. Do we have a lot more out here for us? <laughs> I think they're starting to. It's just that most of the relationship coaches that I see are, are more dating coaches. Mm. So they're more from the active participation of helping you get a date moving towards love. My clientele, they don't come to me for dates. They come to me because they want to get married. Yeah. And that's the only difference that sets me apart. So kind of what I've created in my service and program only works if you want to get married. So let me just add this little tidbit of story and then you can dive in here because I think it'll kind of open up some discussion here. Yeah, go ahead. After the counselor, I, if you fast forward that, I was in the process of launching my business mm -hmm. and I realized that as a guy, I wasn't from a fashion stylist standpoint, it wasn't quite matching the ideal of what I wanted as a brand. And so as a typical guy, I'm the kind of guy that if you told me to go buy a pair of jeans, uh -huh. I'm just going to go to any store, look up my numbers. And if it's on sale, I'll probably buy it and I'll wear them. And I'll probably think in my mind, damn, I look hot. That's the kind of guy that I am. So I was smart enough to realize that's probably not true. So I might need some help here. So I went and I hired a good friend of mine who's a stylist. Mm -hmm. And I said, here, I need you to go and dress me. And this is the kind of feel that I need. And she goes, oh, no problem. I'll take care of it. And so she took me shopping. Yeah. And it blew me away, Tequila, because... Again, as a guy, I'm just kind of like, go in there, hunt it, kill it, bag it, take it home, right? So, so this stylist, she had me go to like four different stores and almost like four hours have passed. And she finally decided none of these stores work, but this one. So we went back to this one particular store <laughs> and then we tried a bunch of jeans in there. And she's like, she had this determination. She's like, I know this store is your right fit. Uh -huh. but I don't know why none of these jeans are the best fit for you. So she was humming and hawing and then she flagged down a sales lady and she's like, Hey, 
I need this. And I mean, I was blown away. She's like, I need this cut. I need this cut. I need, I, I, he's, it's got to look like this on him. And I'm standing here like, I have no idea what she just said, but that sounds pretty good. <laughs> and, and I thought, okay, maybe she's a little crazy. Maybe I picked somebody like really extreme here and this sales lady's not going to get it. So this sales lady literally pipes back. I totally know what you're talking about. I think we got it. And she takes off and I was blown away that she even knew. She's like, she actually knew. So she comes back literally five minutes later with this one pair of jeans. And my stylist was like, here, go put it on. And I'm in the change room. I'm putting on these jeans. Now I'm a typical guy, like I said before. Yeah. So well, yeah. I'm putting on these jeans and they're fitted tight jeans. And the first thing that crosses my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I even going to put this on? Like, do, how do people even fit tight jeans on? So I'm in there and I'm trying to put this on and I'm thinking to myself, no, this has got to be all wrong. Like they, they definitely got the wrong size for me. Way too tight. So anyways, I get them on, I come out and my stylist is like looking really cool. No emotion on her face. And she's just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And she's, okay, turn around. And she's got a couple more hmms. And then finally she goes, these are the best fit for you. And I'm like, what? Help me understand. How is that the best fit for me, right? She goes, she goes like, honey, these jeans shaved off 10 pounds off your body. And I'm like, 10 pounds? I'll have five of those, please. <laughs> now, now, afterwards, the reason why I'm telling this story is because this whole journey with the stylist is actually a metaphor. This is a metaphor of really how we pick partners in life. So, we typically pick partners the way that I pick jeans. You go in knowing the number, and as long as it works, we can make it happen. And what happened was this experience showed me that that's just not true. That within the mall, there was one store that was the right fit for me. Even mm -hmm. though all the other stores sold jeans with the same numbers, yeah. none of them were the right fit for me, but there's one store. Then with inside that one store, not all the jeans are the best fit for me. But it just happened to be that one pair of jeans was the best fit for me. And our process in uncovering what love is for us is about first understanding what we really want, yeah. then what we really need, and then understanding who would be the right fit. So we're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for who amongst 20 people would be the right fit. And maybe in 20 people, there's only five that are the right fit for us. In other words, they have the right criteria. Yeah. But within that five will be somebody that will be the best fit for us. That's what we're looking for. I love it. I love it. And it's so true because there's so much in that story and I loved it. But one thing I did hear is that at one time that you said you knew, like when you were dating, you know, before you knew that something just didn't line up. Right. Sometimes it doesn't line up, but we continue to move forward. That's right. And we do that because we're not really clear about what those subtle doubts are really mm -hmm. about. We don't know how to decode that message. Let me explain it this way. When we typically look for a date or we fall in love with somebody, mm -hmm. it's what I would call commonalities. And that's kind of how we meet each other. So if you and I, Tequila, if we went to some sort of party and we didn't know each other, we would kind of wander around the room and say hi and ask, oh, what kind of work do you do? 
until we find somebody that we're like, oh, I know a little bit about that and I'll stick around this person and talk about that. That's what we call commonalities. Mm -hmm. It feels safe when we have commonalities. So we build our dating relationships on that. Whatever's common, we try and look for that in another partner. The only problem is that commonalities change over time. Commonalities don't ever stay. So that's why you and I could go to an ice cream parlor today and next year you and I will go back to the same one and you're like, oh honey, I am done with vanilla. And yeah. I'd be like, what? What do you mean? We built our whole friendship off of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> because commonalities change. What yeah. I began to discover is what does not change are our values. Mm-hmm. So true. You know, when you just said that, I immediately thought, and this was one of the exciting parts about having you on the show because you know, you're having the male perspective and I'm the female, but then also you're a relationship coach and we all like to talk about love. But when you said going back to the ice cream shop, no, I just changed to vanilla. That's the difference of men and women. And I heard you say a few times that men are just so simple. And my husband even says all the time, listen, we're simple. When are you going to get that? You know, we don't do all that (laughs) stuff. And even when we went to relationship retreat, immediately, I think that's what's had us survive is he said, listen, Men don't have a lot on their hard drive. You women have, the hard drive is full when we purchase it. <laughs> but that's a huge difference between the male and the female. And we, we won't go with it. It's like we still like, no, we're the same. <laughs> but we're a lot different, right? Or no? Yeah, what's wonderful is that the differences is what makes it work. Mm-hmm. But how we frame it, though, many times is that we think that if it's different, we think it won't work. Mm-hmm. And that's why we cling on to the commonalities because that's all that we really know of. That's kind of how we're told our fantasy yeah. is just, it's about commonalities, but the difference is about compatibility mm-hmm. and you define compatibilities based on your values and your values will never change. Yeah. So I'll give you an example A value for me as a Chinese guy. It's just my cultural heritage. When I grow up, I have to look after my mom and dad. That's mm-hmm. just, an unspoken rule, which means that when I get married, whoever it is that I marry, she needs to understand that they are going to come and live with us. That's just a strong value within the Asian community, particularly how I was raised. So that's a value that will never change. Values are interesting because we can tweak it. We can kind of like make it a little bit more palatable for our partner. But the truth is they're going to stay. Those won't change. And there's a lot of different values. So values could be as simple as just how you like to have dinner at night. Mm-hmm. Do you like to eat out a lot or do you like home-cooked meals? That could be a real simple value. How you like to spend time on the weekend. Yeah. Do you like it really quiet or do you like to hang out with lots of people around you? Those are values. As long as you're clear about what your values are and your partner's clear about those values and he or she aligns to that, then you're compatible then it doesn't really matter whether you guys are different in the commonalities. Yeah. So when we look at my marriage, my wife and I are so different. We watch completely (laughs) different shows. You could not have picked two people the most different in every way. Like she loves scandal and I'm like, oh, please, no more. (laughs) You know, keep me with NCIS where there's enough guns and shooting and right. So we're so different. But how we like to spend time. That's our value. That's the important part. I love that you just said that because that's one of the things for me, I ran into that issue is I dated a lot of me. (laughs) Imagine me, you know, a lot of me dating me, you know, individuals. But it's not that they were bad individuals. They just, I always say, weren't the right individuals for me or maybe even at that particular time. But my husband now is 
completely the opposite. People even say that you're like yin and yang, but it really does work. But also it goes back to the values. Like one of the things I was like, how do you like to travel? And my husband had that even on his list and we both traveled well together. Now we've had kids and we travel with them as well. But I think that we had our list of standards and what you say values in the beginning. And we were at a point when we both were like, if this is the last, if you don't work and if you don't work, this is it. So it was like, you know what, either you work or don't, I don't really care. I'm going to go on with my life. And I think that was a good thing too, because we both were like really hard on what we wanted. What did we want in order to, and my thing was to have a life partner to go out to 80 years plus, because if I can't make it through these first year with you, definitely you're not going to be going out 80 years with me, you know. That's right. Part of what you're talking about there is the distinction between wants and needs. Mm -hmm. So wants are great. We all have to have wants, Mm -hmm. but our wants don't necessarily indicate what we truly need in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So the foundation of our marriage or our dating relationship needs to be founded on the needs first. Think of the wants as the icing and the sprinkles on top of a a donut. That's the fun stuff. But the needs is the substance that's going to hold it all together. It's the yeast that causes the dough to rise. That's what the compatibilities are. That's what the values are. And when we get clear with the needs, then when we intermix it with our wants, it makes sense. It really does make sense. But if we flow more just to our wants, we'll never understand what it is that we really need. That's how singles are really getting it wrong in the dating process. Yeah. And so why some people are being disillusioned by this, I call it the dating dilemma, is that you go into the date, it feels great. Everything's wonderful. We've all said the right things to sell each other and pitch each other on ourselves. (laughs) And yet, A year later, you feel disillusioned. Mm -hmm. It's not turning out the way that you want it. Why is that? Because a year later, when life really comes into our lives and we get back into the routine, Mm -hmm. the needs are the things that we meet on a daily basis. Yeah. Not the wants. Oh, I would love to be wined and dined, you know, or I would love a wife to like cook meals for me all the time, or I would love a guy to speak nothing, you know, all these niceties to me, or I would love a woman to scratch my back every day. These are these wonderful not wants and they're not wrong. It's just that you can't sustain life on them. You sustain life on the needs, which is, Hey, I need somebody that's going to really hear me out when I'm freaking out. Somebody who's going to be patient when I can't keep it together with, I need somebody who can really get a sense that when I'm freaking out, that all they need to say is just, honey, it's okay. I got this. Yeah. That's where our needs are founded. That is, I think along the lines of one thing I remember with my girlfriends, all of us single girls, I would always say, you know, we were at different, it seems like levels of one dating. Now the other one's like, I don't want to date or whatever. But I would always ask when the one was dating, how do you want to be loved? They had a hard time answering that question. I even did in my past life. But from what you just said, it should be actually changed to how do you need to be loved? That's right. That should be a question when you're going into any relationship with anyone, if you're wanting a relationship with anyone, is even if it's a for a spouse, but anyone, how do you need to be loved. Is that a fair statement? 
it is bang on tequila. See, what happens is when we're like, let's fast forward it. So let's say that there's a couple that we both know and we've seen them go through the dating process. They're totally in love. They get married. Mm-hmm. And now they're like a year to two years into their marriage and conflicts are starting to come. Yeah. What are the conflicts about? It's about needs. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Is yeah. like, I needed this and I didn't get it. Yeah. And we're not even talking the petty stuff. Treat conflict like a big onion. It's just layers. So when you go through all the layers of what somebody's upset about, at the very bottom, at the core of that onion is going to be what that person really needed. And if you can figure that out, now you know how to experience it. Now you actually know how to communicate how you want to experience that. Now that makes it really practical for both people then. No one's needing to guess. Exactly, exactly. So there you have it, all of my single girlfriends. How do you need to be loved? If you can figure that out, then they can tell him or whomever your love is, you can tell them how you need to be loved. And then it all works out a little bit better. (laughs) It still takes work. After you found out the need to be loved, it it still takes work. Because now you tell the single girls, like what to do, what does the woman do that's been now, let's say three years into the marriage? Because I tell you what, I still need to be loved and I still want you to still date me. Yeah. So a lot of that is making sure that you're expressing what your need is in a clear manner. And it's not just about telling the husband that, oh, I need this. It's about helping them even one step further. Honey, this is how I need to experience this need. Could you help me here? Wow. So much love in the air, right? I am such a stickler for love. And because of that, we had to actually cut this particular episode up. So we are going to break it up into two parts. Thank you for joining us for part one with Rocky, and we will continue on the next episode. If you have a story that you would love to share, then please go to tequiladaughter.com to apply to be on the show. Until next time, remember, stand out, be you.